0: Longhorn Nation, we're back! Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Longhorn Country Podcast. I am your host Adam Glick, joined as always by my good friend Michael Gresser. So sorry that we weren't available last week here on the podcast, but Mike and I... Had some responsibility, especially Mike. We're going to get into that before we get into the show. You know, I couldn't do a podcast without my good friend Mike. So, Mike, talk to the viewers about why you had to miss the podcast and what you had to experience during Week One of college football.
1: Yeah, well, my excuse for missing last week's podcast is a is a crime <laughs> in my in the college football world. I was attending a wedding this past weekend during week one which I unfortunately said yes to and my uh, advice to our viewers is never say yes to fall weddings if you're invited to them. Um, I made that mistake and I paid the price. I was able to watch uh, most of week one but not nearly as much as I would have liked to Um, which is unfortunate but it was still a great, great weekend regardless. I enjoyed the college football that I was able to watch and sorry that I missed the podcast.
0: Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Um, but Mike, as much as guys, I just want the viewers to know I love the Gressers and his family. I met them great people, but I cannot believe they had a wedding during week one of college football. Yeah. Just a huge red flag. Any women out there that would like to date me, go ahead. But guess what? We're not if we get married, we're not getting married in the months of September through. January. It's just not happening, and also, honestly, I'm a huge college basketball fan, so the only time we can get married is the summer, so just so you know, throw that out there, but Mike, before we get into the Texas Longhorn game, which a lot of positives to take away from that, we'll also preview the Alabama game coming up this week, how about week one, overall, I mean, what are your overall impressions, would you take away some games that you had your eye on, I mean, there were a lot of great football that happened in week one. So what do you have for us?
1: I think week one was fantastic. Um, the football that I got to watch was great. Um, uh, some of the games off the top of my head. Um, well, I think, uh, first of all, I think the backyard brawl was awesome. I think that lived up to the hype. That was a fantastic uh, game to kick off the, the weekend. I thought Purdue-Penn State was a, such a fun game um, as well. Uh, those, those two games were amazing. Glad, glad that got the weekend started. And then on, then on Saturday... Um, You know, Florida, Utah was an unbelievable game. I thought it came down to the wire. Uh, Anthony Richardson, the Florida quarterback is probably number one on everyone's Heisman list right now after his performance in that game. If, if people have these early Heisman lists. So that was, that was awesome. Um, And then I I was, uh, I was honestly surprised by the end result of Ohio State, uh, Notre Dame. Um, It was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. I thought Ohio State was going to run away with the game. Um, They, played a lot better defense and i think that should give ohio state fans a lot of encouragement because that was the problem with their team last season um so i think honestly i think the takeaways are i think you can take away more positive positives and negatives if you're an ohio state fan and this uh if you're a Ohio State fan because i think they're going to get the offense worked out i don't think there's any way that their offense uh, falters but encouraging signs in the defense no doubt for ohio state and then uh, yeah georgia oregon wasn't uh, very fun game to watch. Uh, just, uh, absolute bulldozing from start to finish. Dan Lanning's first game as a head coach. Um, but uh, overall, I mean, great weekend. And we and we got it finished off with um, with uh, Florida State LSU, which was easily the game of the weekend, in my opinion. Just those last two minutes. I've never seen anything like that. Thought the game was over like five, probably five different times. And then it just wasn't over. Um, so that that was unbelievable. And uh, yeah, so overall, fantastic weekend. Great way to start the college football season off and uh, looking forward to week two here.
0: Yeah, and it really never disappoints. Week one always just gets you on your feet. Just like, how did this happen? So many great moments and great games to talk about. Mike, there were so many games that I already have on my list of like, how could these games not be top 10 for the entire season? And it only happened in week one. You mentioned the West Virginia-Pittsburgh backyard brawl game to start the slate off on Thursday, Penn State-Purdue. But Florida State-LSU, I mean, You talk about those last two minutes, you could not script it, how it went down the stretch I mean just pure absurdity and madness and how about the North Carolina app State game 63 to 61 app State scored how many points in the fourth quarter and lost 40 points in the fourth quarter and lost the football game you can't make this stuff up and I I don't know the stat but I think there was like 22 points scored in the last 38 seconds of that game and then also how about Iowa and South Dakota State FCS Powerhouse the Jackrabbits lose seven to three are you kidding are we playing baseball just and, absolutely crazy
1: and a cr- crazy stat in that game adam was um iowa state's defense scored more points than their offense i believe they had two safeties in a field yes goal, you're, to make, you're to make correct seven points so yeah. wow and uh, that 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 gives us a quite a bit of a storyline for this uh, upcoming Iowa Iowa State game this weekend which well I'm going to get into a little bit later.
0: Yeah, we're going to talk about that game for sure. But now let's get into the Texas Longhorns yeah. obviously wasn't as exciting as some of the other games but from a Texas Longhorn fan perspective a lot of good positive takeaways from this UL Monroe Warhawk game that they had, Quinn Ewers' debut in Austin, getting prepared for Alabama. They went fifty to 10. They go with the under in the over under and they also covered the spread if you were aware of that going on 52 to 10. Quinn Ewers, we're gonna get into him, Mike. He looked pretty good overall. You know, nothing too crazy from him. Kinda kept his cool, especially after that first interception on his first drive in the burnt orange uniform. But you know, overall, the offense was able to move down the field with ease for the most part. They scored, I think, on five of the seven drives that Quinn Ewers was in the game for. Four of them were touchdowns. You also had Bijan do his thing. Only 10 carries, but had 71 yards with a touchdown. And then, I mean, the guy that we're going to have to talk about is Jatavion Sanders. I mean, unbelievable at the tight end position. Six catches, 85 yards with a touchdown. You know, Honestly, I wasn't expecting that big of a performance from him. And then defense overall, you know, when you give up 10 points, I don't care who you're playing. You could be playing, you know, a pop order football team. 10 points is 10 points. That is really good defensively, and they made sure that they didn't allow any big plays or crucial penalties, anything like that. So, Mike, talk me through kind of the things that you saw overall, and then we'll get into the individual players.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I was – uh pleased I'd say overall at the performance. Um I mean uh there were some things that didn't totally work offensively like uh, the deep plays but you know um I kind of chopped that up a little bit to ULM playing a deep safety on every single play in the ball game, making sure yeah. they were taking away the deep ball and they did a really good job of that. Um so I'm not too worried about that. But I mean I was still pleased with the offensive performance overall and I'll start with Quinn. I mean he had a really bad first drive uh didn't complete a lot of his pass on the first drive and ended in an interception. But then he really kind of settled in after that. He uh, kept his composure and really put on a a great, I think, a great um, rest of the game. Uh, Connected a lot of good balls, um, was putting the ball in a lot of tight windows that we haven't seen a Texas quarterback do in a while. Um, So I think you can take a lot of good away from Quinn's performance, I think. Um, There were some throws that he made uh, that I don't think Uh, Texas fans have seen in quite a while not any deep plays but some really just tight window plays different arm angle type throws that not many quarterbacks are capable of so that you can totally see I think the uh the excitement I think that uh and the potential of Quinn Ewers in this Texas offense and I'm not I'm not worried about the deep ball at all I mean like I said I think that was chopped up to the way ULM was playing their defense I think that's going to connect eventually um so not too worried about that um and yeah, Jatavian Sanders, I think to me, was the highlight of the game. He had broke out. I mean, he, last year, he didn't record a, a, a catch because uh, he redshirted and was primarily on special teams. But when we talked about him before the season started, uh, we knew how much of a big role he was going to play in this offense. And he totally showed it. Um, Sarkisian said before the season, he's got the be- he thinks he's, uh, Jatavian Sanders has the best hands on this team. And I think that totally showed he didn't have a single drop. He caught everything. That was uh, thrown his way. He made some unbelievable grabs. Um, that one up the middle that Quinn threw in a tight window that Sanders brought down was just a pitch perfect play that I know got a lot of Texas fans excited. Um, so a solid offensive por- offensive performance overall. I was really happy with how Quinn settled in. I think after that, um, not great first drive, and uh, I think I think there's a lot you can encouraging signs you can take away offensively.
0: Yeah, for sure. And they look pretty good for the most part. Obviously, a few drives here and there, you know, you, then you bring in Hudson Card and kind of a backup offense. They struggled to score a little bit, but, you know, the game was already over at that point. We'll see how Hudson Card kind of his role and his, you know, overall confidence goes forward as we progress through the season. You know, obviously, his playing time is probably going to diminish. He's probably not going to get as much snaps as he did against the UL Monroe game as the season moves on because they're going to be playing higher competition teams. But Mike, what's crazy to me is that they scored 52 points, but guess what? Xavier Worthy and Jordan Winnington had only a combined 50 yards of receiving only five total catches between the two of them, 26 and 24 yards from the two of them respectively. And they still were able to move the ball downfield with ease, get into the UL Monroe defense you know not anything not a ton of huge plays throughout the game honestly but they were just you know methodically moving the ball downfield and they were doing it pretty easily it was nice to see so Mike you know is Sanders' role just going to continue to progress more and more throughout the year or do you think you know Whittington worthy will kind of get you know their reigns under them a little bit because they're going to they're great players and they're going as we're going to talk about they're going to have to have huge performances against Alabama
1: yeah I think it's a combination of the both of, of both um, I think Sanders is going to continue to have an increased role I think him and Quinn have developed a fantastic uh, connection that probably started over the offseason that uh, he's probably a uh, an option that when things break down viewers trust to dish the ball off to and he's going to he's going to make something happen with his hands and with his feet. So I think that's going to be a connection that stays. I don't think that was – I don't think that's a one-time thing at all. I think uh, Sanders is going to continue to be a significant player in this offense. And you're right. I mean, we didn't see much of Worthy in Whittington. Um, I mean, a part of the reason we didn't get to see Worthy do much was because he was kind of acting as that deep play threat in the ULM game and that that was uh, those throws weren't connecting uh, for yours. And Worthy, which is unfortunate, but I'm not worried at all. Uh, Worthy's going to have a huge role in this offense. Uh, he's still the top target in this offense, um, and Texas needs every bit of everything from him this weekend uh, facing Alabama. That's for sure. So uh, I, I wouldn't be too concerned about about his role. I mean, I think I think this past Saturday was just the Jatavian Sanders show mostly. I think, uh, you was just felt that he could rely on Sanders all game long and a shocking stat that I want to mention real quick that Texas fans might not be aware of is this is the first time that a tight end has led the game in receiving yards for Texas since 2007 in, uh, Jermichael Finley, um, who was an all-star tight end for Texas during the, uh, the national championship year. So what, that's just an unbelievable stat, uh, I have to mention that.
0: Uh, no, Mike, you know. I'm really glad you mentioned that because I yeah. love stats and especially those kind of stats, those are very cool. Fifteen years. Yeah. Since if I do my math correctly, that is crazy that you know, and that's such a big thing for Texas. I mean, they really haven't had a great tight end, honestly, since you know the early, the late two thousands, honestly, against you know, the team with Colt McCoy and the Alabama national championship run that they went on. So that's hopefully a good sign moving forward for the Longhorns before we get into the Alabama preview because I know everyone wants the Alabama preview all of yours are on and listening here to the podcast for this preview and I am myself talking about it. I can't wait for this game as as I know Mike can't either he's actually going to be there lucky lucky him but Baron Sorrell on the defensive end Mike he was exceptional and that is the thing in the difference maker Texas has been missing on the defensive side of the ball getting a guy that can put pressure on the quarterback in the rushing game and get big plays. And he was all over the place. He had six total tackles. He had a sack and a half as well with one tackle for a loss. I mean, he was awesome. He was breaking through the initial blocking on the offensive line scrimmage by ULM and putting pressure on the Warhawk offense. I mean, he's going to have to play an integral role for texas moving forward especially this week against alabama how what do you think of him and then the rest of the defense because it looked pretty good overall
1: yeah i'm glad you brought up strell adam and that was honestly my biggest takeaway from this game is his his presence on the defensive line and i don't know what espn saw in this game but i would give him two sacks i that uh that second <laughs> sack that he had yeah. that they that they counted as a half sack that was all him um so i i in my mind he had two sacks uh against ULM. And he he was fantastic. He was, uh, his presence was felt everywhere. And I think that's going to be crucial moving forward. Um, we talked about before the season, how uh, Sorrell is possibly a breakout candidate on this defensive line. Um, Demarvin Overshunt spoke about him at length in the preseason. And uh, we're finally seeing that uh, come to fruition. So that's really Texas needs Sorrell to really take that next step and uh, become that, uh, pass rusher that Texas can rely on to get after the quarterback and create pressure. Because to be honest, they might not have anybody else that can really affect the quarterback as much as Sorrell can. And so you, you mentioned him and the other guy I want to mention quickly is the Marvin Overshun. Um, we really saw him start to thrive in his new role that that we talked about so much in the preseason. He was coming off the edge a lot. He was affecting the pass. He had a uh, let me let me see let me pull up his stats real quick. He had yeah he had eight total sacks led the team in sacks. Um, didn't have a uh, sorry he had eight total tackles led the team in tackles. Didn't have a sack uh, but I know uh, he had uh, at least a couple of tackles for loss. But I saw him behind the, the the line of scrimmage if I recall a few times. So uh, and he so he was all over the field. And I think that I think uh, he's finally found a, a role that's going to allow him to thrive in this in this defense. Uh, he's going to he's going to play all over the field. And we, we started to see the uh, the the birth of that on Saturday. So that's that's certainly exciting. Those, those So those two guys have me uh, have my confidence level a little bit higher, I think, than uh, than previously going into the season for this Texas defense.
0: and you know as we move forward here in the podcast I think it is now time to talk about as I like to say hell on earth the Alabama Crimson Tide make their way down to Austin Texas this weekend Saturday a 12 p.m. kickoff on the East Coast 9 a.m. for myself here on the West Coast Fox big noon kickoff college game day basically all of America. And probably some international states and countries as well. But everyone's going to be watching this game. Texas-Alabama. The spread is 20 points. 20 points. Honestly, probably should be there. I mean, Alabama is great. And the over-under, I think, is in the high 60s. I'm not sure what the exact total is. But, like, the time has come for Texas-Alabama. I just want your overall, you know, how you're feeling going into the game. What, what do you expect from Texas, because I'm going to give the viewers some things about Alabama, what they did to Utah state, but I want you to kind of give the perspective of what Texas, what you're expecting from the Longhorns this weekend.
1: Well, to be honest, I'm not expecting a whole lot. I uh, do not have very high hopes for Texas fans in this game, if I'm being completely honest. And a lot of that is just because Alabama totally outmatches Texas and on every on all sides of the football, special teams, defense, offense. Uh, there, there's no way really that Texas matches up that well with Alabama. Um, and I I think the keys for Texas in this game, if they're going to have a, a puncher's chance at all, is to is to get up early, uh, take some risks early, try to create some sort of separation early. and But with that comes a higher chance for turnover, I think. Um, I think Ewers is going to have to take some shots where he's going to have to put the ball in some situations where he might be not comfortable putting the ball. And uh, that that could be great. That could present some big plays, but it could also present Alabama with some opportunities for turnovers and uh, put the game kind of out of hand. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. I think, I think that that is the offensive gameplay, at least in the first half. And I think uh, Sarkeesian really needs to keep the crowd in this game as much as possible because uh, if this game gets out of hand early, um, DKR—the hundred thousand fans that are going to be in those stands—are going to go silent if, uh, if things go if things go south pretty quickly. So he's going to have to create those big plays. He's going to have to create some excitement. Um, but I could see. I can see it being close uh, early on if, if some of those big plays connect, but I could also see it getting out of hand pretty quickly if, uh, if some of those big plays turn to turnovers and uh, Texas putting the ball in Alabama's hands. And where I think this game is going to go south, regardless of the first half, regardless of how many te- points Texas is able to put up, is eventually Alabama is going to be able to outman Texas on the lines of scrimmage. Um, Texas, I mean, sorry, Alabama, Plain and said, well, they have the two best pass rushers in the nation in Will Anderson and Dallas Turner. Um, And Texas is going to have no answer for them on the offensive line, I think. Um, You got got Kelvin Banks and Andre Carrick that are going to be going up – Or sorry, Kelvin Banks and um, uh, Christian Jones, who are going to be going up against the two best pass rushers in the nation. And uh, that is a nightmare scenario if I've ever heard of one. Um, So they can – Try to contain them as long as they can, but eventually they sh- they're just going to wear on them, and um, and eventually they're going to get to Quinn, get to Quinn pretty quickly, and get to him pretty often. And uh, I don't think that's any reason for optimism in this game. So on that on that end, I don't see Texas having much of a chance, especially in the second half once those athletes just start to wear on this on this Texas offensive line, and then on the other side. I think Texas I mean their weakness has been been the edge. I mean we know we, I know we talked about Sorrell and Overshawn, but they still don't match up at all with uh Alabama's mammoth sized offensive line. So I don't think Texas is going to have much success getting to Bryce Young. I think Bryce Young is going to maybe have all day to throw the football uh to Alabama's elite receivers and uh so we'll see how things goes. I uh I think I think it could be interesting early, but eventually I think uh, I think things could get a little bit out of hand, as uh, scary as that may seem.
0: Yeah, and I want to, you know, iterate some points here. Mike, you make a lot of good uh, points as well. Just first of all, Alabama is an incredible, incredible football team. You know, we talk about them every single year, but I feel like this year's team – I know we keep saying it, but I I do feel like this is this is the team that is special and truly special. Could go down as one of the best college football teams of all time. I'm going to say that right now. But at the same time, when you're facing a team like Alabama, David versus Goliath kind of matchup, you know, you talk about those deep shots, and I do agree with you. You know, it could p- turn into some turnovers for the Longhorns. But the biggest thing with me, Mike. In this game for Texas, as you talked about, they got to keep it close. They got to keep the fans invested in the game for as much as they can. And the thing to do that is they on offense, because I don't think they're going to be able to stop Alabama on defense for the most part. On offense, you have to continue to move the ball consistently. You don't have to score a touchdown every single time you have the ball, but you have to get first downs. You have to move the ball, keep the ball out of Bryce Young and Alabama's hands as much as possible. Also, keep your defense off the field as much as possible because you're going to need all the energy that you can to stop Alabama on the defensive side of the ball. And you can't turn the ball over. You can't give Alabama plus side of the field. It just cannot happen if you want to have any chance of competing in this game. With that, I just want to lay some stats for you against the Utah State Week 1 game because they're pretty absurd. They played Utah State, who won the Mountain West, conference by the way last year for anyone that doesn't know very solid team logan bonner is their quarterback he got absolutely shut down against the crimson tide of alabama bryce young by the way 195 yards of passing okay sure that's fine nothing exciting about that but how about five touchdowns through the air and one rushing touchdown that's a total of six touchdowns if i do my math correctly six times seven is forty. 42. Yeah, yeah, 42. Man, I need to go back to school. But anyway, 42 points from Bryce Young on his own. Pretty cool. Jameer Gibbs, 93 yards on nine carries on the ground. And then also, guess what? Three receivers, Sean Holden, Jermaine Burden, and Jason McQuellen. All two touchdowns each for them. You talk about their elite receiver group. Those are just a few names on that group as well. Utah State had A total of how many first downs? Seven first downs in the entire football game. Alabama had 30 of them. Utah State had a total of 136 yards. And they had 110 total yards of penalties. That is not good margin of penalties to total yards, if you ask me. And they had 57 total passing yards for Logan Bonner, who's one of the best quarterbacks in the mid-major non-Power 5 ranks. And he got shut down. Alabama also, the last stat, as I mentioned earlier on the podcast, I love stats. Alabama had 559 yards of total offense. I know it's Utah State's not the same competition as Texas, but just to give you viewers a gauge of how special and how dominant this Alabama team can be. And the score is not indicated indicative of how the game went it was 55 nothing final score but it was 45 nothing or something at halftime or 41 nothing at halftime Bryce Young scored on every single drive basically they had the he scored on his first drive in the second half they took him out of the game and they had 48 points they scored seven points the rest of the game so they could have scored 82 90 points if they really wanted to if they had the starters in but Mike talked about this I mean you know the key in this game, because you are playing at Texas, that is a huge advantage. You're playing on the road. Alabama is not used to playing non-conference games on the road. Mike, I'm not sure if you know the stat I'm, I'm blanking on it. How many non-conference road games have has Alabama played in recent memory? Not many.
1: I, th- I think they've, it's a, it's a pretty ridiculous stat. I know that. I yeah. think they maybe played three in Nick Saban's tenure there, if I'm not mistaken, which is pretty ridiculous.
0: Pretty ridiculous considering who Alabama is. And they usually play a top tier team every single year in the non-conference. Usually it is on a neutral site field. So this is kind of a rare occurrence, but you have the crowd to your advantage. And the great thing about college football is if it's close towards the end of the game, that crowd can sometimes play into the reason why you end up winning the game. But the problem is Texas has to get there. Will they get there is the question. I'm not sure of it. Honestly, Mike, I, I really do think Texas is going to be ready to play. They're going to come out strong in the first half, as you have talked about. The, the key difference is, though, how are they going to come out in the second half when Alabama makes adjustments? They go to the locker room, Nick Saban's the best at this, and they come out, and they are just ready to pounce on Texas. And, you know, Alabama's going to throw a punch. They're going to throw a haymaker. How is Texas going to respond? They did not respond with haymakers at all last year. How are they going to respond this year? We will see. Now, you know, I do like to give picks for everything I talk about. So, I honestly, Mike, I really think Texas covers this 20-point spread. I see them losing by around 17 points is my guess. I would like to say the score is 45-28-ish. 45-27, I guess, would be. Or 45-28, yeah, 17 points. Somewhere around there. Uh, I do think Texas is going to be able to score. I just don't think they're going to be able to stop Alabama on the defense side of the ball. You talked about the defense, you know, it's just the athletes and the bodies that they have on offense are pretty insane. But Mike, any, you know, who is that one player for Texas that can make a difference and keep the Longhorns in the game as long as possible? Who's that one player? I mean, because there are a few names that come to mind. So
1: Uh, I'll, Talk about one on offense and one on defense. Yeah, perfect. The, the one on offense, I think, would be Xavier Worthy. I think uh, I think he's a guy that matches up with well with anybody in the uh, in the Alabama secondary. I think I think if him and Ewers can develop a connection early on in the game and keep that connection going, uh, he's a guy that um, could keep text in this game. You can if Ewers can connect with Worthy in the deep ball, get some points early. And keep that connection through four quarters. I think uh, I think that that could give Texas a puncher's chance. Just how well that, uh, how well, how much time Ewers is given to throw the football is a whole other story. Um, but if he's given time and able to find Worthy, um, I think I think he could be a difference in this game for Texas. Texas is going to need him to have a career game. There's no way that Texas wins this game with with, with Worthy having a game like he had against U.L. Monroe. You need Worthy to have eight plus catches in this game if if uh, if Texas is going to have a chance I just totally believe that and on the defense side of the ball the the biggest question mark if there is a question mark for this Alabama team has kind of been their offensive line um during the preseason we haven't really seen their offensive line struggle at all yet this season but if Texas is going to have any chance in this game they're going to have to affect Bryce Young the issue is I don't think even with those questions on Alabama's offensive line, I still don't think Texas' Ezra's match up with them at all. Um, but we'll see. We'll see if there's holes there. If Sorella or DeMarvin Overshaw can get to Bryce Young, um, both those guys are going to be critical. I mean, if Texas has any chance this game, it's going to be because those two guys have been able to f- affect Bryce Young in some way. Because like we saw in the Iron Bowl last season, the reason why Alabama was not unable to really move the ball in that game was because Auburn's defensive line was totally took over that game. Auburn's defensive line totally took over that game. I mean, Bryce Young was given no real time at all to throw the ball, and it totally wore down on him as the game went on. Um, so I think if there's any chance for Texas, over Sean Sorrell, going to have to affect Bryce Young early, get through this Alabama off- offensive line, and uh, put him in uncomfortable positions. I think that's the only way this game goes. I think, I think mean, you got to pressure Bryce young and uh, you got to have big plays of your playmakers on offense. That's, that's the only way I see it happening. Like Alabama showed, showed they can struggle on the road last year. They had holes on their roster last year. I don't know how many holes they have on their roster this year, but um, there are ways there's, there is a path to paint, I think, for Texas to win this game, but everything has to go right. And I mean, everything has to go right. Um, there's, there's no way I see Texas winning this game with, without those guys. They just mentioned having a career day.
0: Yeah, 100%. You said it perfectly. Everything does have to go right. And I mean everything, as you alluded to. We will see. At least, you know, you got to play the games. You never know. And, you know, Alabama, when they lose, it's not often, but it does happen occasionally. It is on the road. It is never in Tuscaloosa. So you have that going for you. This is honestly a game for Texas where, you know, it. there's not a lot of negatives that can come from it unless you kind of... Make it mentally build on itself throughout the rest of the year, but you know there's a lot of takeaways that the Texas can come away with even if they do end up losing in this ball game. So I think it is honestly going to help the Longhorns throughout this season if they are mentally in check and mentally up here ready to prepare, you know, to lose. I mean, they got to have the mindset where they can actually win this game. You got to believe that. But if they are to lose, they got to be able to overcome that and get ready for the next couple weeks of the season and into conference play. So we will see. They got to play the games. Mike, you know, we could talk about this forever, but Zoom only gives us a certain amount of time. So we're already running out of time here. But let's do a little college football pick them few games you know i'm gonna throw them out there you're gonna tell me who's gonna win and then at the end we're gonna do one quick betting pick just for anyone that, that likes to go that round in college football week two uh, we're already into the season so exciting so mike first game i have for you on the week two pick em slate here on the longhorn country podcast i got you tennessee and pittsburgh can the panthers move to 2-0 against two power five teams
1: Well, if they are able to bring the crowd that they brought in the backyard brawl to the Steelers Stadium, I believe it's Heinz Field, I think. Um, If they're able to bring that crowd again this week, I think they do have a chance in this game. Um, Unfortunately, um, I just think Tennessee's offense is too too good uh, for this Panther team. We saw in the backyard brawl this Panther team is nothing like it was last season. Um, They just do not have the athletes on offense that, uh compared to last season and i think tennessee is has only improved uh their roster from uh, from where they were last season so i think i see this game uh i think i see this game going tennessee's way i think uh, i think their offense is too much for uh, Pitt to match up with regardless of how many fans uh pittsburgh is able to pack into Hinesfield.
0: field yeah i agree i think that backyard brawl game took too much of the sales out of pittsburgh i mean that was like their super bowl People were in the streets partying. I mean, as they should, it's a huge rivalry win for them. Congrats to the Panthers. But Tennessee comes to town. Their offense, as you mentioned, is elite. They absolutely destroyed Ball State, I believe, in Week 1. Their offense did not miss a beat. Spread 6, Mike. I'm going to go with Tennessee as well, but I actually think Pittsburgh will cover the 6 points. It's going to be a really close game. I think it's honestly the best game of the week to slate, other than the one that we will talk about at the end of, of this pick that we will get to it's the late night game but second game I have for you Mike Houston and Texas Tech battle of the Texas schools big game for Houston as they are trying to be the best non power five school survived against another Texas foe in the Roadrunners of UTSA I think in triple overtime can they do it against Texas Tech on the road in Lubbock.
1: I think they do do it. I'm I'm really high on this Houston team. Uh, I know it's in Lubbock. It's going to be tough. Uh, Texas Tech fans are crazy, but I think Houston's one of the best group of five teams this year. I think they will be all season long. I think they get a statement victory in Lubbock this, uh, this Saturday.
0: Love the pick. Have to go against you. I do hope Houston wins this football game, but I watched a lot of that Houston UTSA game in week one. Houston did not look Great. I do think by the end of the year, they could be the best non-Power 5 school, but right now they just don't seem ready to go into an environment like Lubbock and win. I don't think Texas Tech is great, but I do think the crowd will be the difference. The spread is actually Tech minus three, so I think they win and cover. But I do think this is going to be a lower scoring game than people think. Houston was not able to score many points until the very end of the game against the Roadrunners, Runners, but their defense looked really, really good. So I do think this is going to be a lower scoring game. I think Texas Tech wins, but with these two teams... Anything can happen. It's going to be a great game. I can guarantee you that. We move on to the SEC very quickly here as we're <laughs> running out of time against the clock on Zoom. Kentucky, Florida. C- Florida beats Utah. Incredible game. Probably the best game of week one just for the storylines and the way it happened at the end other than the LSU game, obviously. But can they beat Kentucky?
1: I mean, yeah, this is an incredible game. This is a huge SEC West um, – or, sorry, SEC's matchup. Yeah. Um, either of these teams could be the number two team in the SEC vying for that uh, spot in Atlanta when they when either, when either of them faces Georgia. So this is going to be a huge deciding game one way or another. I just love how Florida played against Utah this past Saturday. I think Anthony Richardson's a guy who can just win games for any team. And I think he's going to win this game for Florida again. Uh, he is no match for anybody on that Kentucky defense. Give me the Gators.
0: Wow. Love it. Love the pick. No one wins in the Swamp except the Gators. So give me the Gators as well. I don't think they cover the spread of six. I think Kentucky covers the six. But give me the Gators in the Swamp. That place is crazy. Last game for you on the college football pick of Mike. Baylor and BYU. Who wins this one? This is an elite matchup. Probably the best game of the Week 2 slate.
1: Yeah, I mean, other than the Texas Alabama game, I think this is the game I'm most excited for. In my opinion, BYU has potential to be the best. I know they're not technically a G five team, but they have the potential to be the best G five team mm-hmm. uh in the nation. They're kind of the Cincinnati of this year to me. They have the schedule, in my opinion, to where if they do run the slate, I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna guarantee they make the playoff, but they have that potential if they do uh if they do run the table. And um, and it all kind of starts in this game against Baylor. It's at home, so that's huge for them. And I think they get it done. Uh, I think I think this BYU team matches up very well with a lot of Power Five teams, including Baylor. Uh, so give me the Cougars at home,
0: Mike. I'm going to go with you. I I'm going to go with the Cougars. Welcome to Mormonville. You do not win in Mormonville in Provo, Utah, where this game is being played. BYU, give me them. You talk about that Group Five schedule or the, that schedule that they have to be in the playoff, like a Cincinnati. Baylor at Oregon, at Notre Dame, and also against Arkansas. That is a schedule where if you run the table, I do believe they get into the playoff. I don't think they're good enough to run the table, but I do think they beat Baylor in this game. Mike, it has been a great and fun, phenomenal show as it always is. We Texas, Alabama this week, a lot of great games that we just talked about on the college football pick. And we don't have time to give other one betting pick, but... College football's back better than ever. Thanks so much for joining the Longhorn Country Podcast. Go follow Mike at Gresser underscore Michael on Twitter. And go follow myself, Adam Glick39, on Twitter. That's it for the Longhorn Country Podcast. We will see you next time.